FM 103.5 Just In Time Conversations. I'm your host, Justin Farmer, inviting you to be in community with us about conversations that matter and people who are making a difference. Today, uh, we have a host of guests, Mark, Dwayne, Crystal, and Gypsy. Gypsy. <laughs> uh, Chris, Christina and Gypsy. Uh, so many names. Uh, <laughs> I promise I practiced like 10 times before. Thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all so much for coming down and being on the show. Thank um, you for having us. You know, the... Thank you and good thank, thank you. Um, you know, the past, I want to say the past month and a half, there's been a lot of conversation about the tiny homes and about, you know, what the city should be doing, uh, what... Uh, the, the community response should be. And so wanted to hear from y'all uh, who are closest to this and most affected in the process, you know. Uh, first, how have you felt about the conversation and the rhetoric that you've heard around these tiny homes and about y'all's dwelling spaces? Well, I mean, honestly, no one knows unless you're in it. Like I had, I'm pretty new to the whole community, about maybe a month, and um, I'd been reading about it, independent and such, um, you know, sort of following, just following it enough to really kind of know what was going on. So when my situation happened, I knew exactly where to go. Hey. Um, but no one really knows until they're in it what goes on there. Mm. It's people work hard. People are not lazy. There's a beautiful community between what we live with and in our you know, in our backyard, in our garden, and the actual communities from the from the neighborhood. Um, so anybody who thinks otherwise um, should really just come and check it out. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as everything else is concerned, you know, this is you know, this is our right as human beings mm -hmm. to have shelter, to have food, to have to be warm. You know, we have the right to pursue happiness, but we can't pursue happiness if we're freezing. Thanks. So, I've been here for um, in New Haven for a little over uh, like nine years. Okay. Um, yeah, the, um, being cold is a big problem mm. all over, not just here, but all over the world for people that's being homeless all over the world. 
Um, I've been in situations where I met people that died because it was in the cold. They didn't have a place to go. They didn't have a place to stay. Um, and it's wondering why the government or the mayor is not letting people get heat or getting home. They're being housed. It's just not fair to those that's at least trying, that's willing to work. You got people out there that's homeless, that's willing to work to get what they need or to have what they want. But they need, they can't work if there's not a warm a warm area to, to be able to get up and wash up or anything in the morning. It's very hard for an individual that wants to go look for a job when he's cold or he has to be told when to get out when he's not healthy enough to go and look for a job or look for work. The problem here today is in, um, in our community that we're staying at, the community itself, even though we're, where we're stationed at, the community on our side is willing to help. Mm-hmm. They're willing to help. They're willing to give people that had lesser, a lesser chance, a chance to progress or to go forward. Um, like I said, every winter in Connecticut anyway, being in New England, there's a problem with cold. You hear it all the time. Do this, wrap this, wrap this. You know, New York gets first telling you to wrap up their things, wrap up your sinks, wrap up your um, hoses and this and that. It's going to be a freezing temperature. But if the government or the mayor is not heating to that then how is people going to survive how is people going to live how is people going to even go to some of the establishments that you have that you supposedly have for them when you're not giving enough resources to to compensate their problems or our problems the only thing else i want to touch in is that some of these programs give you vouchers but <laughs> the, it's like a lottery ticket or you know a food stamp where you only can use it at this certain time or this certain time. And these people that has homes, they're not willing to take them. These landlords have the ability to want to take them, but they have some discrepancy. They want too much money. So these are problems that's going on, not only in New, especially in New Haven, but also around the world also. It's not fair. It's just not. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to really uh, comment on that right now. Uh, good morning. My name is Gypsy. I'm wondering whether or not they are fighting so hard against this particular program or an organization because it's doing what others should do. They mm. shouldn't be penalized for being actually on the board with helping people out. The uh, Amistad Rosette community has done its utmost to help as many people as they can in the community, and it is a community within a community. We do need to have more help and less resistance to an organization that's actually helping the homeless, actually helping. Now, there is a problem with heat, et cetera, but we don't have to worry about food. And in the general community, they're helping people who live within the new neighborhood as well, as for those of us who live within the neighborhood. So what I'd like to hear from Mayor Elliker, at least, is why are you pushing back against us getting forward? Is there a real reason to do that to people? Or do you not consider us to be people at all? Mm. Yeah, um, thank you, all three of you, for uh, really clarifying where, where you're coming from. And, you know, myself as a homeowner in, in the neighborhood, you know, um, I think it's, it's useful maybe to, uh, you know, to make a couple of, uh, of observations here, you know, uh, the project that we have going on in the backyard um, is, first of all, it's a cooperative effort 
which is to say it's it's not only consented to by all of the surrounding homeowners and neighbors, um, but they're also being you know very cooperative in it and and uh, be, they're being good neighbors as they have been for decades. Mm. So just to clear that up, you know, there could be, I think your original question was about um, you know the public discourse that's been going on around around this project, you know. Um, and so really I think, it, I think it's important really at this moment to address, uh, address that from my perspective. You know, I've, uh, when, when we started getting involved in trying to decriminalize homelessness in New Haven, I'm talking about Amistad uh, community, um, for the first time I really, you know, it brought me uh, maybe closer to the experience of people on the street in such a way that I, I now dread the winter. Okay? Mm. When the weather starts to turn cold, as it has in the past couple of weeks, I just dread it now. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, and that uh, again is a function of me uh, having, uh, you know, through this uh, experience with with these good people, um, getting a little bit closer to that experience. Okay, um, and the reason I bring that up now is because you know we're having this public dispute. Uh, over paperwork, essentially, over zoning laws, which, of course, we all respect zoning laws and building laws, as we've been trying to reiterate. Um, we had to go outside of New Haven um, zoning laws in particular um, in order to get this project done. This, this is not housing development. This is an emergency. It's a human rights emergency. We've been responding to the emergency of homelessness on our block in our neighborhood for 30 years. Um, this uh, project is what the neighborhood has decided needs to be done to take care of our refugees. Mm. Every neighborhood in New Haven, especially the poor ones, we have refugees. We don't have homeless people in New Haven. We have economic refugees, people who have been excluded from the economy because of uh, non-living wage jobs. Mm and people who have been excluded from the housing market particularly because it has become a capitalist venture um, you know favoring the rich favoring the wealthy developers we we actually through putting up six little tiny homes on our property uh, we didn't even realize that at the time what we were doing was was pulling up a chair at that table mm -hmm. okay and that's what these folks have done as I've reminded them you know, part of this public discourse has been um, a cease and desist order and in order to vacate. I'm talking about the six tiny homes and the people that are living in those now, okay? That, um, you know, we, we received that as a response, again, to uh, this project began when the neighbors in our neighborhood decided that we would no longer uh, look upon an unhoused person as anything but our neighbor. And, and that uh, put us in a position to take responsibility for them. What, what really depresses me about the current um, uh, public discourse about this is the mayor's office. Okay, mm. um, you know what is it about government, whether it's local or or national or state government? What is it about government that um, that encourages that that uh, when government officials feel encouraged to take out their anger on the weakest, okay, on the most vulnerable. We're dealing with people. It's getting into the 20s now at night, into the high 20s in the past couple of weeks, okay? There are people freezing 
in the backyard and scrambling, uh, frankly, being quite unsafe about it at this point to try to stay warm, okay? Um, as, as I mean, I've, I read in, in the New Haven Independent yesterday um, uh, that Mayor Elliker said that we're on a path together, uh, in other words, Amistad, Rosette Neighborhood Village, and City Hall. We were on a path, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said we're on a path towards uh, making this legal, okay? Um, guess what? I know you live in East Rock, Mayor Elliker, okay? But the emergency <laughs> is tonight, okay? It's tonight. People are freezing. Um, th there is a... Um, you know, a statewide uh, declaration from the governor that homelessness is a public health crisis. That in itself authorizes you to turn the electricity on, okay? Um, and then, as you said, we're on a path, you know, provisionally so that we can get to a place where, you know, and, and, and by the way, we've wanted and, and we've been cooperating um, with City Hall, with the buildings department and the... Um, City Planning Department since the middle of September. Okay, this this uh, public this discussion did not start with a cease and desist order. Okay, it goes back a few months, and again we're on a path toward agreement, but the emergency is tonight. So I I appreciate that that framing, and so uh, I guess you know a, a couple of things to be fair to the mayor, uh, what he said exactly right was we are trying to work with folks at rosette street to find a path to potentially make the project legal but we have an obligation to make sure residential housing is safe so that is what the mayor said um i, I guess to be unfair to the mayor uh you know I, I see this as the issue that has played out over the years you have the uh, homeless bill of rights a couple of years ago in new haven I want to say probably like seven years ago, that was a conversation that started. You had the encampment over by um, um, uh, uh, um, why am I? West River. West River, yeah, by L.A.T. Grasso. Um, Tent City. Tent City. Uh, that was there for years, right? Throughout the pandemic, it was a known place. It was a safe place. Uh, and then you had the encampment by... Uh, metro north right and so the city took decisions because of health and because of uh concerns around codes and so I, I guess all that to say you know governance is hard to be fair to those in the governing seat but what i'm hearing from y'all is that this discussion didn't start with this encampment and that this discussion has been going on for years and there hasn't really been an impasse and so if this is our emergency which i think we can all agree it is an emergency yeah. mm -hmm. there has to be more that's done so i you know y'all had a function the other day um to raise money right to put in these improvements that are needed and so there's public discourse about you know whose community you belong to and where where that should be and so one of the things i often hear about right is that new haven takes on unfair burden and they take in 
all the homeless community members because no one else wants to build affordable housing. No one else has warming shelter. No one else is doing anything. Um, and how unfair it is for y'all to go to another community to get resources to protect this smaller community you've made. What do y'all have to say to that? So I actually grew up about two blocks away from Rosette community. Hey. I was born in New Haven. I grew up in New Haven. Um, I've always lived in New Haven um, mm -hmm. in various parts between Westville, the Amity area, Fair Haven. Um, and I love this city. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I'm from this is I'm New Haven's daughter. Like this shouldn't be happening. It's not just people coming in from other cities. It's not people getting dumped here. It's not. It's our. It's the people that that were born at Yale New Haven Hospital. Hey, are this is happening to us? And like, it's for really no reason. Like we like we we actually know better. And there's you know there's abandoned buildings everywhere. There's fields everywhere. There's this everywhere. I mean, just give us a spot. And as far as feeling that. Um, you know, being unfair to the government? No, I'm not with that because they're they're going, they're turning on their heat and they're going in their beds every night. They're yeah. watching their TV because you know, you know how boring being homeless is? It's really boring. We want some TV too. Like, mm. It is, mm. I don't feel bad for them because declare it an emergency and flip a switch. It's, it's yeah. really not that difficult to just do it. Mark saw an emergency and he built six tiny homes. It was like, deal with the logistics later. Like that's what needs to be happening here. Thank you. And I, um, you know, in terms of, again, this, um, I, this is, you, you touched on a, you know, a public argument that's been happening in the state of Connecticut forever. I mean, ever since I've lived here is, you know, that the suburbs are not, um, you know, carrying their weight in terms of uh, certainly affordable housing and, and, and even tolerating the kinds of services that, um, you know, that people need when they're, um, you know, when they're on the street, et cetera. Um, now, what I like to, to think is, um, is that the backyard neighbors at Rosette Street have added to that conversation something that hasn't been added in ever since I've lived here for three decades. And that is, what does the city do with a neighborhood? I mean, first of all, this, the hill is a, I've lived in the hill for 30 years. The hill is a model it's an example of what a neighborhood should be mm -hmm. why do i say that because we take care of our own and we take care of everybody else who shows up that's what a neighborhood should do okay now uh <clears throat> what what this uh backyard neighborhood is saying is in the face of virtually every corner of this state we get the nimby argument right not in my backyard well here's a neighborhood that's saying yes <laughs> in my backyard yimby Literally. Okay. Why <laughs> yeah. does, why is it that government can't respond to that? Okay. I understand we live in a capitalist system. Okay. And where, you know, follow the money, where's the profit, mm -hmm. et cetera. But here's a neighborhood mm -hmm. that is saying Yimby. Okay. Here's a neighborhood, even the homeowners around us who, and I don't know, I'm not a real estate guy. Are their property values going down? I simply don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm doesn't seem to me like any of our neighbors really care if that's the case. So what, do you, what does uh, Mayor Elliker do with a Yimby argument? Okay, I think he needs to, uh, to think about that over Thanksgiving, you know, mm. and maybe, uh, 
maybe decide that there's, you know, that you can go outside the normal uh, lanes of argument on this and start to understand, uh, you know, this is something new. Okay. This is something new. And, you know, you give me all the credit you want for it. Uh, I just got out of the way, invited people into my backyard, our backyard. I don't live alone. And, uh, you know, people have decided to create a community there and to govern themselves. And most of all, to be a sign of what a, what a supported encampment can look like. Okay. The, the problem with all of the services that, and I, I include myself in this, okay, because I've been, I've been part of the service delivery, uh, you know, uh, conglomerate here in New Haven when it comes to, uh, you know, people experiencing homelessness. You know, all of our services, um, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that they simply, they tend to kill the possibility of community. And why, why do I say that? Mm. Because in order to get services as an unhoused person in this city, you must give up your power, your privacy, your personal power, your autonomy. You need to be helpless in order to be helped by homeless services in this city. Um, this community is offering an alternative to that. People can keep their power and share it among each other and create an environment that is human and hospitable and clean. You know, uh, this, 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 uh, this false narrative about the bulldozing of encampments, uh, you know, this false narrative that, that they do that because it's unhealthy, uh, well, the American Medical Association disagrees. Mm. They came out with, a, with an extensive study of, of the effects, the health effects of evicting unhoused people from public spaces. Okay, the mortality rate going up to 150 by 151 percent, for instance. Okay, um, so really, uh, we need to check that narrative as well. Okay, Dwayne, you you know you touched on something. I you know I've I I've had constituents who have had housing vouchers, mm -hmm. and you know one I know of still it's two months later and they still nothing to write yeah a lot of things have to be done um i still have a birth voucher uh my voucher will be up december uh at the end of december but um before originally i'm from i was raised in stanford connecticut i was born in new york but um when i came i've been in new i've been back and forth most of my life from connecticut this is my second home connecticut is my second home mm -hmm. And my first home because I have siblings, siblings here. But uh, when I came down here to New Haven and um, started getting my, my life right, trying to get my life right, I used to live on the green at one point in time. Um, I got housed. Then, you know, we, have, we all have our different situations where we go through that we get unhoused for some reason. But I still have my voucher, but it's taken way longer. When I first got my voucher from eight years ago, when they first came out, which now that I'm back out, but I still got the voucher. It's like they're not acknowledging, or they're putting up now. People are putting up their 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 prices up on houses, putting people out for no reason. Mm -hmm. I've seen a person that does way better than I do with their housing and this and that, a third. And all of a sudden, she's been moved. She's been put out for whatever reason. Manage, management is doing what they're doing because they want more money. The government wants more money. If they can't get their hands in in any, they don't want no. They're no part of it. That's going around the world anyway. 
we see this around the world. Um, for me, like I said, um, it's not easy. And then when you get evicted, it's a mm. slash on your on your what's Even if you didn't do anything wrong per se, yes, or you, you're they're they're still laboring you as a bad person. Programs label you as a bad person. People that is on the outside that doesn't know what the, what they went through is leaving you as oh he, he, he there's something wrong with him or there's something wrong with the situation um where i'm at is with this is that i'm just like you Fact. even though i do what i do i'm not perfect you're not perfect but at the end of the day there's a thing about being a good samaritan mm -hmm. i mean i don't um it's a bible it's, a, it's from the bible Everybody should know it if they're Bible-based anyway. But this, these people keep passing this person by, passing this person. He's hurt. He's not feeling well, whatever the case may be in the story. But one person decides to change that. Mm -hmm. And that change brings on other changes. When you start looking you, in treatment, there's a saying where you need to don't look at the person's prediction. Look at what you see in them and you. Mm -hmm. Look at what you got in that person. That person has some type of similarity to you. So therefore, if you was that person or what's your name, put yourself in their shoes. Then you would think a little different about what you're doing, what you're saying, or how you're going to go about a situation. Um, Rosette is like my, my, my second home. Mm -hmm. My second home. When I, I was, well, it was my first home when I first got here before I got housing. But even though I had housing, I still came down to Rosette, sometimes to get away from what I'm dealing with, see something different, speak with the other people, help the other people, being, being supportive, being supportive, being helpful, instead of always being in my little, own little world, always staying in my little world, and this is mine, this is mine, no, this, this, this is ours, this is mm -hmm. everybody's. Refugees tend to do, deal with everybody, not just one particular set, one particular what's name. My, my situation is in not dividing. We do too much dividing and conquer. There mm. should be more just dividing and anning up, giving more instead of trying to harvest it or trying to make some money out of it. Money is, is, is going, you see where the money is going. They want to put it on, they want to put it on cards and now this and that. It's, it's virtually what's name. I, I'm going to sit here, I'll be the first one to tell you, I really hate money. Mm. I really do really do because it only caused more problems mm. it only caused more problems but the situation where i'm in is to better myself the whole thing about this some, what um rosette is doing is giving you a step up not a step down mm. it's a step up it's not it's not a um jail it's not it's not a program where you you you're you're assigned but you're not you can do it or don't do it you have that freedom of choice you have freedom still you're not being bound to anything specifically but to do your part as a human being as your human's rights as your human as a as a human should be able to do it's your right anybody's right being being home they're not homes you still have rights you know that that you know i i agree with you that money causes so many problems and housing should be decommodified and that you know that there there needs to be a sense of dignity you know what what do y'all see as the problem right because I, 
what I'm hearing from, you know, the Elegant administration is that there are some, you know, building code things. And once those building code things get figured out, there isn't really a problem in terms of the Rosette community. But to Christina's point, you know, if this is an emergency and, you know, we saw it during COVID, emergency powers came on. If there is a storm, we see local leaders have emergency powers to do stuff. What are, what are the problems that y'all see and what are the solutions that y'all see, right? Like if you, if Elegor is right here and you could tell them, hey, this is the problem, this is the solution. What's, what are those problems and what is the solution from y'all? Well, actually, Mayor Elegor, you have the power to actually turn off or turn down some of these code interruptions in mm. other people's lives. The code usage that they have are arcane. They're old-fashioned. They're not meeting the public modern need. Mm. Last winter, I spent my, the 26th of, the, of January on the steps of a church and woke up to snow being all over me and my okay. sleeping bag. At least, as, even if we have Amistad, because I have found that that was a safer place to be than on New Haven Green. It, because you're not harassed by police officers every night. You're not harassed by predators of any kind every night. I am safe where I am at, but this is not an ideal place to stay forever. We are a good community, but there's no reason why you can't force some landlords to at least accept two low-income housing people into every complex that they have. It's not going to hurt their bottom line to let us live in their property, especially if we exhibit the, the good habits and good behavior. Why should elderly women have to sleep in a tent? Why should any aged person, man, woman, or child, sleep outdoors in the wintertime. You know, I'm not just saying a tent because there are so many more people on the street. If you can't get your neighbors to allow, like uh, Mark has, people to be in their backyard, then designate an area for them to be. Health-wise, that would be smart. That would be smart because then the hospital doesn't have to have the extra burden of us being ill. The hospitals don't, the police don't have to have the extra burden of people being rambunctious because they're unhappy being outside okay we're we're not doing enough to take care of our neighbors that's all there is to it we're not doing enough and mayor elliker you have been told time and time again on the green how we feel about this uac has done that okay so you're not blind or you're not deaf or are you like tone deaf to what's going on mm. okay pay attention pay attention you want us to reelect you then do something for the people who need you most, not the people who put the most into your fund. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, um, Gypsy. That was uh, very well said. I, I would just add that, um, you know, I, as I reflect on what, you know, what's going on in the backyard as a, you know, as a project, I think, well, what, um, you know, I don't know, at some point in our city's history, it became clear that some of the vacant land, for example, in our neighborhoods could be, with, with a little cooperation from neighbors, could be turned into a community garden space, right? Mm. Somewhere along the line in our city's history, uh, neighborhoods got together and, and said, or certain neighborhoods or certain blocks and said, 
well, what about a block watch, you know, just to make things safer at night in our neighborhood? You know, those kinds of initiatives come forward from neighborhoods. It's a natural, uh, you know, part of, of city life and city history, okay? And, you know, uh, when city governments are at their best, they respond to that. They, they, they give a pathway to have a community garden. In fact, I'm, I'm not aware of any other cities that I've been in that do it better yeah. than we do in new haven you know in terms of the community gardens it's, yeah it's wonderful it's really uh, it's really built relationships i know among our neighbors um, so why then you know i you're talking about solutions well to me a, a simple solution would be what about you know again with consenting neighbors who want to open up some space to reach out to their own people their own refugees within their neighborhood um partly you know partly as a good samaritan um you know, effort, as, as uh, Dwayne was saying, but uh, partly as a homeowner, you know, I mean, you don't want, who wants, who, who owns a home in a neighborhood and wants uh, people being ejected from these institutions on the perimeter of the city, mm -hmm. namely shelters, right? Mm -hmm. Being just ejected in the morning and having and to, with the, with the mandate to scatter and disappear. And let's, let's face it, where are they scattering and disappearing? In the hill and in Fairhaven, essentially, okay? Uh, for whatever reason, maybe because there's so many services available here. But I mean, that's the reality. As a homeowner, I mean, why can't we have a pathway uh, for uh, if we decide that we want to treat these people like our neighbors, which they are? Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to me that we could put our heads together on that. And yet what we're being told from City Hall right now is that we're, we're not doing this right. We're not being legal about this because we're not acting like housing developers. Okay. I'm sorry, but you know, there's uh, five blocks from us. The mayor uh, last year approved a redevelopment of about a hundred housing units. Um, uh, the cheapest of which is going to be a one-room studio apartment for twenty-one hundred dollars a month. <laughs> now, that's ridiculous. Now that developer, low income. that developer comes from outside the state, and he, because of his money and his expertise, immediately got a seat at the table at City Hall. Okay, are we, is that what we're expected to do? You know, putting up six tiny homes. Should we be going through some kind of a, you know, in a, a process like that? How long would that take? I mean, we have no money. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to hire lawyers? I just want to say, well, there goes my voucher. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's just no a, good no more. I'm just no. saying that you know, it, solutions are are pretty available as soon as you just kind of, you know, take the box that we've all been living in with regard to housing all these years. Yeah. And just kind of open that up and say, what is, what what about a neighborhood? What what does a neighborhood have to uh, to offer to this housing problem? So I also think rather than thinking about people's property values and this is not like, cause it's not fair to the homeowners. It's not fair to the developers. It's not fair to this. How about this? It's not fair that I'm freezing. It's not fair that I like, I get I like nervous to get up out of my tent to go to the bathroom at three in the morning. It's not, um, none of this is fair. None of this is fair. We, we, this isn't like, this isn't the American dream. This isn't what we signed up for. And, this is the fact that this alternative housing is is going to happen, regardless. Mm. Regardless, this this movement is happening, and it's move, it's happening all over the United States, and it's going to keep growing and keep growing bigger. So they really better just like they better get in on it, be on the good side, be on the right side of this. Flip the switch, 
make it work for us. You know, be on our side because if you treat us like criminals, we're going to have to circumvent the law. Mm -hmm. And they, that, that's exactly what they're, they're setting us up for failure. Yeah. But we refuse to back down on this. And we, we want to create more awareness. We want more people to, you know, like open your backyard, two, two tents, let two tents happen in your backyard. You know, like let, put, put a generator box out there, let two tents in your backyard. Everybody could do it. Everybody can do it. I understand that there's a lot of reasons why people can't or won't. But logistically, if people are asking, what could I do? Open your home open your backyard, oh, like just help, you know, like, because like, you know, we say that we're not homeless in where we are, because we're not, we're home, mm. but we are unsheltered for all intents and purposes. And um, just having a place to go, to know that your stuff is there, to know that my visiting nurse who has to bring me my um, psychiatric and blood pressure medicine could come every week and drop them off to me. That's a huge deal is when she couldn't find me when I was like un completely unsheltered or completely homeless, it was, it was scary. There's a lot of people like that. And um, yeah, I, I, um, no, I, I have no sympathy for um, the mayor or anybody who's trying to make these hard decisions or anything like that. Cause it's not, it's a, it's human rights. Mm. Like if you see a human on fire, are you going to put water on them? Yes. This is literally a fire. And you know how I just don't understand how they can't see this. So, um, yeah, I just, um, my, my ire is going up and my, my sympathy is going down because I really don't feel ba bad for anybody who has like electricity. <laughs> if you have electricity, you're, you're, yeah, if you have electricity or a shower, you're not allowed to like really comment badly on this. And truthfully, yeah. if you're not looking at it as a male, you should be looking at it as a female, as a female point of view anyway. For the simple fact that there's women out here that having babies doesn't have a place to stay. Mm -hmm. you having, you having people, oh, older women that can't defend for themselves needs a place to stay. You got a lot of land, even though, I mean, living in Connecticut, I, I can't, I didn't, can't believe how big Connecticut is mm -hmm. in a way being though I've been here for most of my life. Just like I said, I'm going back and forth from New York, going through my problems and my issues, but there's a lot of land out here that you'd rather put factories instead of putting up affordable housing there's too many there's too many patches where little homes can go up and little people can be there um you make all these other big big fancy community old folk spots and you got a security guard and this and that and a third when you can just take a third of that money to to make to make a home for somebody that's affordable you're building, you designed this building, taking a hotel and making a big center where you can take half of that money you're getting to make a big center and make affordable housing for people that can, that can live. People that got vouchers, people that got disability. And the funny thing about vouchers and disabilities mm -hmm. that they're constantly paid by the government anyway. So if you're a homeowner and you support somebody that's either got um, disability or a voucher, you're going to get your money from the program that's providing it. But the only way you can do that is by being a part of it. You can't do it by not being a part of it or putting into it. It's just not going to, well, we kind of popped up with it because <laughs> we decided to put the work in. Well, Mark and his community decided to put the work in. 
like I said, this is my second home besides the home that I had. But now it's my first home again because of the fact that, again, he's giving me help to get to right on the right path or to get another, to stay warm, to stay warm. But like I said, if you don't want to do it for a men's unexpected, there's not even enough programs for women in this state. There should be more women programs and more warming shelters for women than for men anyway. We got enough for men in a sense. We, we are survivors. But for my thing is I'm really looking at a woman expert. They got it harder than we would ever, ever have it. Really. So if you're not going to do it for that person, but look at it as, like I said, as these women's where they're coming from, how hard they got it. I, so, you know, I, you know, Christina, you said something interesting that this, if, if the government doesn't figure out something, people are put in a hard spot between breaking the law um, and surviving or mm-hmm. I guess not breaking the law, not surviving, but you, you know, or just absolutely revolting. Just exactly what this country was based on. Mm-hmm. Just having a revolution. We, we could, we could do that. We're making it happen. Mm-hmm. And we're not the only ones that are doing this. This is happening in towns all over America, cities all over America. So you have like, but you know, the, this is our right. No, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. You know, you have the tiny homes that are popping up all over the place. You have van life where people are renovating vans and living in them. Um, you know, in California, um, they're using the box cars that they deliver things with. Yeah, they, you know, in, uh, you know, in San Francisco, they've right, literally right in front of City Hall, they've blocked off a piece of land where they have a homeless encampment right there. And so, you know, to the point that you're making, this is more or less going to happen one way or another. Right. Um, I, I guess, you know, the, the why question make, why make it hard first cor- correct right why 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 the hardship and so i guess one of the questions i have you know there's this big development 80 units mm-hmm. in the hotel you know that's going to go to foreign immigrants rather than people who live here you know i as as you you know talk about it it seems that y'all would rather something that you can have more privacy, more control over than to buy into a community that is more temporary. Well, it's a matter of um, personal autonomy. We're adults. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, honestly, if you, wh- when you're in a, the shelter sort of situation, and I was in the village suites during COVID, mm-hmm. um, and it's highly monitored, highly, like you're signing in for things, you're signing out for things. I mean, if you're going to treat us like cattle, we're going to act like cattle. Mm-hmm. You can't do that you like over here we're given respected autonomy and we're told basically figure it out as neighbors yeah. and you know you you know you keep getting put into these the system as it as it's called or referred to um and people basically go feral after a while they have no manners anymore they don't know to pick up after themselves they don't know the kind you know kind like common courtesy and decency amongst other people because they're so mm. like like not in the, I wouldn't even call it independent, but they're just, they're so guarded and looking after themselves all the time. And it's easy for anybody to get that way. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't take very long either. It does not take very long at all for that to happen to somebody. And you see what's happening in our community is 
you know, people like we we have our assigned chores, but if if they don't get done, if I like if I see the garbage is full, I will take the garbage out. You know, if there's if I see there there, there needs to be toilet paper, I'll go get a roll of toilet paper and put it in. The, like it's just common courtesy. You know, there's like something on the ground, you sweep it up, and um, when you're given an area to respect like that, you are you become a human being again. But when you live in those shelters like that, it is um, it's so it's like it's like a zoo it's really like a zoo and it's so monitored and it's so it's the corruption is unbelievable as well but that's for a different radio show um, <laughs> but um yeah it's um it's, you know you said this just then no <laughs> yeah no but when you're like when you're you know i'm pretty much a middle-aged woman at this point like i don't need a 26 year old who a failed correction officer to tell me what to do mm. i know what to do i i know how to act you know and you know treat me like a human being and i'll be and i'll I'll treat you back like a human being. Don't don't like I said. If you treat people like cattle, they'll be cattle. Yeah, just um, thank you. A couple of observations. Um, first of all, you know, I noticed that uh, when it comes to encampments, that um, people like to speak of the West Coast, and particularly L.A. I guess, yeah, as a uh, much warmer. sort of a cautionary tale. Yes, um, that uh, you know, ten cities kind of started springing up, and they couldn't get a handle on it, and now we have what we have. Well, you know what? <clears throat> There's another way to look at that, right? Mm. Uh, from New Haven's perspective now. I mean, how about we look at that, yeah, as a cautionary tale, but to say, not that we have to outlaw that, we have to get in front of it, okay? Mm. I mean, when I moved here in 1994, here's a, here's a good analogy, right? Uh, you remember the Chef O'Neill case? You know, anybody remember that now? Okay, about equity in... Um, in education between the urban areas and the suburban areas here. That was a big deal back then. I remember uh, Blumenthal in his former yeah. job, okay? I remember him popping champagne on the 11 o'clock news when, uh, when the decision that New Haven had to remedy that, when that decision was overturned on appeal, I remember the state, governor, the state government uh, celebrating that, okay? But the fact is, that the reason we have such good magnet schools here, for example, now in New Haven, is because we got ahead of that movement. We saw coming down the road in Connecticut that uh, the state was going to lose that lawsuit about the uh, inequalities in education. And so they started the, uh, as far as I know, they started the magnet school movement in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why can't, why can't City Hall be listening? To what these three very articulate people are saying and kind of get a get in front of this movement rather than you know criminalize them for doing what is their human right okay this is the moment in our history where we have to get in front of this okay we're not it's the it's like the toothpaste is out of the tube now <laughs> if you think that the the way that these folks uh these friends of mine here are speaking hey. if you think they're going to go back to uh the way they might have been speaking five years ago, you know, um, it's not happening. Okay. So we uh, thank y'all so, so, so much for coming on. We have a few minutes left. And so what I like to do uh, to be bold and brief with me, if there's a song that speaks to you to just. No, I won't back down. <laughs> no, I won't back down <laughs> you could keep on shoving and pushing me around but i 
won't back down. We need housing now, and it ain't no lie. We will not be backing down, no matter how you sound, cause we won't even try to understand you. We won't back down. Okay. <laughs> and why did you? Well, because you're going to choose the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want to say, um, Love you, America. Love you, United States. Love you around the world. Um, what's up, Belly Bush? Long time no see. Hey. Juan Coon, Whitney Williams. I know you don't remember me. It's been a long, long time ago, but these are people that I've met in my lives that helped me be who I am when I was growing up in um, Connecticut and in New York. But um, I like to say, haven't seen y'all in a while, and I love you, Mom. Hey. I would just like people to maybe after listening to this, listen to it again mm. and uh, Google the Amistad house, Google, um, go to the New Haven independent and check out all the stuff that the Amistad house at Rosette village has been doing. Check out the discrimination that's been happening and see if this is a city that you want to live in that does that. Or do you want to be a part of the solution? Because if you're just going to be complacent, then you're part of the problem. Mm. If you're not going to actively be helping us, then you're definitely part of the problem. And I just don't believe that this is a time in our history for that. I believe it's really a time for people to be absolutely proactive because people are dying mm -hmm. and people are going to die. People are going to die this winter. People are going to die this week from being left out in the elements. And like, just to say that a human being is left out is gross, right. but that's how it is. So I, I would just encourage people to get more proactive. And it's not about canned drives. It's not about turkeys. It's about actually, like I said, open your backyard, really do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank y'all for being in community with me. Until next time, let us continue to plant the seeds of change so we can grow together. I'm a traveling man, moving through places, space and time.